Man Up, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. And now it's time to Man Up. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting on the Iowa Catholic Radio Network. I am Joe Stopulos, and today I am excited to be joined by Devin Shad in our Heroic Fatherhood series. Let's start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God. Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Devin Shad, father of St. Joseph, fathers of St. Joseph. If you've been around uh, men's ministry for a while, you I hope you've heard the name. Devin's been doing this for a couple decades now. Actually, in the eastern Iowa Quad City area is where he's based out of, but he's he's all over the map. He's all over the United States and beyond with the ministry specific to fatherhood. So when I actually started this Heroic Fatherhood series, I was really hoping to have Devin on the show. His schedule and mine have not matched up. We finally got it down today. Um, you'll see You'll see why I was hoping to have him on because Devin is a man who spent so much time, so much of his life dedicated to, to studying what it means to be a great father. He understands the crisis of fatherhood that we have today, and he has spent a much of his life dedicated to helping equip fathers with the tools necessary to be the fathers that we are called to be. Uh, and Devin is, as many of my guests have been, is very passionate about this issue. Um, and so, again, this is just one that I, I had, right when I started this thing months ago, I knew Devin's one of the guys I was hoping to get on. So I'm really glad we were able to get him locked in. So we're going to head to short break. And when we return, we'll have on Devin Shad. Support for programming comes from M Squared Spa in West Des Moines. Catholic owned and operated, Mary McDermott offers massage therapy and aesthetic services to help people achieve whole body wellness. Learn more at msquaredspa.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from Westgate Dental, offering cosmetic, family, implant, and general dentistry. Located at 1073rd Street, Suite 1 in West Des Moines, just behind Dowling Catholic High School. Learn more at westgatedentalia.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from A New Look Exteriors, an Anderson-certified contractor providing custom window installations, roofing, siding, gutters, concrete, and more to help give your home a new look. Learn more at anewlookexteriors.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Skeffington's Formal Wear. In business since 1951, with locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Coralville, and Ankeny. Skeffington's Formal Wear, fitting you for life celebrations. Online at skeffingtons.com. Iowa Catholic Radio would like to thank our business partner, Edible Arrangements, for their support, offering fruit bouquets and gourmet dip chocolate treats. On the go or have it delivered for that special occasion, ediblearrangements.com. Confluence Brewing Company, a former home brewer's dream, is now a hub where great things come together. Situated south of Gray's Lake and easily accessible via the bike trail in Des Moines. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. Excited to have on today Devin Shad. He is a father, husband, author, speaker who transmits the message of glory, necessity, and the power of fatherhood. Devin has written over 20 books, most of them pertaining to either St. Joseph or fatherhood. A perfect guest to have on here on our Heroic Fatherhood series. Devin, welcome to the Man Up Show. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be on. 
Well, for the listeners, obviously, you and I got a little connected ahead of time in the last uh, 10 minutes or so prior to recording, which is to say you and I are both from the Quad Cities and have, oh, I don't know, a thousand different connections. So it was really fun. So obviously, we can kind of continue the energy here. But two guys, uh, actually, were you, I should ask, are you born and raised Quad Cities? No, no, I was born and raised in Chicago. We'll toggle back and forth between actually Quad Cities and Chicago land. Got it. Got it. Cool. Um, yeah, so I, I, it's it's interesting because obviously we have so many connections in the in the Quad City area. But this series, uh, Devin, as, as we talked about, is is really about helping equip men to become great fathers. And in going through the last few months of doing this, it's really interesting because the guys I'm I've been interviewing, whether they're you know the biological fathers or spiritual fathers, they're all on they're all on point, they're all on fire. But they've had very different experiences in getting here. And so I'm curious on your own, uh, your own upbringing as a guy who speaks nationally and writes books on fatherhood. What was it like growing up? What was your relationship like with your own father? Well, I would say that well, I'm going to say my dad was right away the biggest man in my life, and. Ashads were not tall. <laughs> so that's, that's saying something, you know, he was just kind of the hero. And I think that a lot of us, that's the first instinct we have as young boys, we are hardwired for being respected. That's one of the deepest needs of a man is to be respected. And, and why is that is because we've looked to our dad, the man that we've respected the most and hoping to gain his approval. And, and my dad was a sports guy. He He's baseball guy, football guy. I mean, you name it. And so that was kind of where I excelled or where I spent a lot of my energy was in sports because I wanted to please my dad, the most respected man in my life or the man I respected the most. I wanted to have that respect from him. And that was kind of where we connected. He would coach our ball teams. He would, you know, take us bowling, whatever it was, but you know, there was limitations there because my dad didn't have a faith life. Um, He just was not, as far as I knew, a religious man. And it wouldn't be until much later until after my conversion experience, surrendering my life to Jesus Christ, the age of 24. And then my dad thinking I was a little bit crazy. And then shortly after that, a couple of years, he had his own experience. Um, So it wouldn't be until then that he would really come around. He was confirmed and came into the church when I was in eighth grade, but that really didn't have any impact on his personal life. My dad's a great man. Um, he's now what I would consider a very holy man, not that I'm a judge, but my dad also wrestled with vice, addictions, terrible addictions, and things that really caused a lot of strain in our family. And so when I grew up, just what, you know, we, you know, the whole phrase, it's what we are not so much taught as much as what we have caught. And I caught a lot. You know, I caught a lot besides sports. <laughs> I actually caught a lot of things like women, you know, um, partying. Uh, and I would just, re- I guess I would just boil it down to the six Ps. So what happens as young men, I believe, is that we want, res- we want respect so badly. This is a deep core need of every man, and it's built in. Because like I said, we respect the biggest man in our life, and we want his approval, affirmation. We want him to delight in us and choose in us. However, what happens along the way for most of us is that the world has six promises, that, and these promises feed into that need for respect. And it's prestige and prominence, power, pleasure, possessions, and profit. 
Those are the six P's, the six promises of the world. And as I went through my life playing sports and partying and trying to get the babe and all of that, initially, like St. Ignatius of Loyola, when he was uh, on his sickbed after he got struck with a cannonball, he would read these stories about the soldier winning the princess. And initially he would have like this consolation, this thrill, but then he would actually feel empty and sad. And then his sister brought him the lives of the saints. And initially he would have resistance to that, but then he would feel consolation and thrill and the hope that he could be one of those saints. And I recognize after a while of living for the promises of the world, initially I got the thrill of conquering and, and winning the girl or whatever. But then after a while, I felt so empty and eventually suicidal. And it wasn't until after my conversion experience, I realized that the world cannot give you the seventh P, the seventh promise, which is peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And that is what I found in Jesus Christ. And I found it precisely in my vocation of fatherhood, which I didn't know what I was doing because I really didn't, even though my dad was a great man um, and he was a man who loved the things that I loved or I loved the things he loved in a way, I didn't know what it meant to father. I didn't know how to father. I didn't know even what God designed fatherhood to be. And so that was a massive struggle for me, big time. Well, so I'm curious then, obviously you said your father was your hero. So there clearly were things you did admire, things you wanted to emulate, I assume. Maybe could you could you talk about what those were? Because you did become a father. You have, I believe, five five kids, right? Five girls, around that. Five daughters. Five yes, daughters. Five daughters. I'm surrounded so, by women. <laughs> let's talk about you know you wanted to emulate your father in some capacities, but obviously you just told me right there that you didn't really have an experience of of knowing what to give them. So talk to me about maybe what that struggle looked like and maybe what some of those things were that you did take from your father. Yeah, I think my dad was a competitor. My dad wanted to win. He was a hard worker. So when we lived in the Chicagoland, he would leave before the crack of dawn to beat, you know, rush hour traffic. He would travel in from the suburbs. And, and so I would not see him in the morning and he would get, return home after sunset. And so really, I didn't really see him at night. And so the time when I would see him would be on the ball field or, you know, at the wrestling match or whatever. And I think that that was one thing that really stood out to me early on, although that didn't, that didn't remain, was that my dad attended um, some of my sporting events early on when he was coaching stuff. Later on, that wasn't the case. Uh, and I remember specifically in high school, um, in fact, it was, it's a penetrating moment into my kind of psychological experience of fatherhood. I was, we were playing a doubleheader high school team up in Chicago and um, I was having a miserable game. It was my last at bat of the game. I'd already struck out twice and this pitcher had a cannon for, for an arm. And, and, but this is the key. My dad taught me when I was a kid, when the ball's on the outside of the plate, don't just try to wrangle it and take in left field and try to pull it over the fence because you're not going to be able to harness the energy of that ball when it comes out on the outside of the plate. So he said, just go with the motion and the power of that ball and just take it to right field. And so I became skilled at that, especially being a, a short guy with wheels. I would I would take the ball to opposite field and scratch out a double or a triple out of maybe what was supposed to be a single. And and I loved the attaboys. I loved riding home with dad and congratulating me for scratching out that double, that triple. And it was this game that 
I quickly fell behind 0-2 again. We had two men on. We actually we had one, one man on. We were down by two runs, or one run, I'm sorry, and it was do-or-die situation. And this is the kind of thing that every kid you know, longs for, every kind of kid dreams about, and I was dying. But I remember my dad's advice. That ball came in high and outside, and I crushed it to the opposite field, and and I hit it so hard, I couldn't take my eyes off that ball. In fact, I almost tripped over the first base bag because I was so, but I was a home run. And by the time I got crossed home plate, uh, the guys were howling. You know, they're tossing me around like salad. We won the game. And as glorious as that moment was, I was scanning the bleachers. I was looking for the fist pump, the attaboy from my dad. But my dad wasn't there. And I think at a deeper psychological level, looking into it now, the reason I think I was scanning those bleachers and looking for my dad, even though I knew he wasn't going to be there, was because I wasn't just looking for his gaze, but I was looking for the gaze of approval of my Heavenly Father. And I think that's in the heart of men. We, we have this longing for our earthly father's approval, his respect, that he would delight in us, because deep down God's hardwired us through that relationship, to truly long for the fatherhood and the father that really matters, God the Father. And so the human father is created to be an icon of God the Father. That's on the good side. And, and so the devil wants to hijack that mission, if you will, that vocation of the father, because the earthly father is meant to be the voice of the father that our children cannot hear, the face of the father that our children cannot see, the touch of the father that our children cannot feel. And so he is called to be, a, as JP2 said, John Paul II said, in I believe Familiar's Consortio, I think it was Article 25, he says that the human father's mission is to reflect and reveal God's fatherhood. Those are infinite shoes to fill, but that is our role. And so you can see why the devil wants to hijack that, and he is hijacking that mission right now in our culture so severely that we have a famine of fatherhood. And I think out of all the issues, of all the things that are going on plaguing this world, this is, if not the highest, it is very close to the greatest challenge we are facing in this day and age, and the stats are proving this hands down. So, so what did I learn from my dad? I learned that I needed him. And I learned that I needed him because I needed God the Father. And I also learned, whether he was present or absent, I learned that I wanted to be present. I learned that I wanted to be an icon of God the Father. I, there were things, and I admit, I wanted to break the chain. I wanted to forge a new one. I wanted my children to experience God's love so deeply that they knew beyond a shadow of doubt that they were chosen in, they were chosen by God the Father, that God the Father delights in them, and that God the Father, as the Catechism tells us in the first pages of the Catechism, that God the Father desires them. God the Father desires us. And if I could live out my fatherhood in such a way to communicate that, that to them, then I succeeded because that is precisely what I didn't have. I, I love my dad, but I never felt desired. I never felt chosen. I never felt, well, once in a while I did feel delighted in, but, but was I a priority? Was I the chosen son? Was I the one that he wanted to be with? Probably not, no. And so that hurt. And so that's where I, and this is no, no attack on my dad. I love my dad. Uh, my dad's become an incredible Catholic Christian man. But there was an absence of void in which I did not want my children to feel. 
So I, when now you're transitioning your own, you're kind of bringing this into your own fatherhood here, and now you have this example. So you're, you're saying, I know what I want to be. How does that manifest itself concretely in your example with your daughters? Well, gosh, we could talk for hours about this, but I think <laughs> we have about eight minutes. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, oh, okay. Well, we don't have hours, but let me just put it this way: for me, this was very difficult because I was so I had bought into the lie of the six promises or the six P's of the world, and when I a friend of mine took me on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje, and I know Medjugorje is contentious, and I don't really want to get into that, but while I was there. I was talking to our guide who was a female, she's kind of our spiritual director of the trip. And I was just saying, man, I just feel like God's calling me to something more. And, you know, I just, you know, and, and I was thinking about more in a worldly way. And she said, are you married? And I said, yes, I'm married. And she says, do you have children? And I said, yes, I have three. And she said, go home and be St. Joseph. And you would have thought that those words would have been like, yeah, uh -huh, that's what I'm supposed to do, you know? And no, I was like, St. Joseph, man, he's hardly ever talked about. I mean, he's the old guy with the flowers and the bald head. And, you know, he just kind of filled that spot of father or, or husband because, you know, Mary needed that to make it look nice and clean for her family. And it just seemed like he was kind of an ancillary, you know, I guess figurehead, you know, and, and then another thing happened to me on that trip. I went to confession, and I was kind of pouring my heart out to the priest about this same thing, that I just felt like God was calling me something more. And he said, you will become a saint by means of your vocation, not outside of it. And that hit me hard. And it was like he was saying, look, if you want to be all in for God, if you want to be a saint, you have been given a path. Your vocation is your path. And that word vocation comes from the Latin word vox, which means voice. It's God's voice, his calling, his summons on our life. And if you are a husband or father, and that's what he was saying to me, there is no other path that will be given. You can take a million other paths. You can live for the world. You can live for prestige and honor and prominence and all that stuff, and you will never be a saint. But this is your path, Devin. And so I really, I went home and I decided, okay, I've got to figure out who this Joseph is. And that's where it got really good because I ended up going through a pride detox. Um, I just, I, I started praying more. I made a chapel in my basement. And I just asked Our Lady to reveal to me who this St. Joseph is. And, and that's when everything changed, literally everything changed in my life. Because what I learned from St. Joseph were four things that I was never taught. And these four things became my pillars for my life because they're the four pillars of St. Joseph's life. And you see it right there in Matthew chapter 1. The first thing that happens, we encounter St. Joseph when he discovers Mary pregnant without his cooperation. And we kind of gloss over that. But seriously, like if your wife came home and said, honey, I'm pregnant, but you aren't the father, you know, where would we be at? We'd be freaking out. And yet, Joseph, what did he do? Joseph went to the silence. His first pillar is embracing the silence. He went into the silence, embraced the silence. And silently, grieving, presented his plea, his dilemma to God. And the key here is this. Joseph, in the silence, trusted and learned to trust. He was patient, and he persevered, and he waited on God, and he didn't act until God directed him. And it's in the silence. This is what—and I love it because the angel's silence breaks through. We don't know if it was two hours, two days, two weeks, two months— 
But Joseph kept waiting and waiting and in the silence praying. And finally, the angel comes in and says, Joseph, son of David, which means he's a king. He's revealing his identity. You are a son of David. You're an underground king. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So the angel reveals his identity. You're a king. You're a son of a king. You're a son of God, the father, really. Now, I want you to live out that mission and embrace woman and embrace the child, Jesus. So that's the second and third pillars. Embrace woman our wives, embrace all women by upholding their dignity, by not lusting after them, embrace the woman, Mary, who really is going to obtain all things, that new wine that we need like she did at the wedding at Cana for those people at that wedding from Jesus. So embrace woman. So his silence, embracing silence, led to embracing woman, upholding her dignity, dying to himself for literally, he was celibate. I mean, literally, he lost his job in Nazareth. <laughs> literally, he lost his home in Bethlehem. He flees to Egypt. He has given everything for this woman and the child that she bears, Jesus. And he adopts in a sense, although the child is his because it was within this marriage that this child is conceived, this child is his. And so he takes Jesus as his own. Even though Jesus is not his biological son, he becomes a spiritual father to Jesus, an icon of God the Father. And this is the great thing about this. It leads to his fourth pillar, which is he embraced his charitable authority. His authority to love, to lead by loving and love by leading. And we see this because after the Annunciation to Mary, all the divine directives given to the Holy Family were given to Joseph in dreams. Go here, do this, do that. God was establishing the paradigm of the father of family, saying he is called to be the spiritual leader. And it doesn't mean he's holier or wiser or anything like that. It just means he's called to set the pace of self-sacrificial love so that his family can follow. You know, in dancing, a man leads. He has to take that first step. It doesn't mean he's a better dancer than the woman. It just means he takes that first step. And that's what we're called to do, whether it's unloading the dishwasher, chopping firewood, you know, putting up the drywall, teaching the kids how to play baseball, whatever it is. We take that first step. We put that first step of that dance of self-giving love in motion so that our wives and our children will follow. And then the dance of love commences, and then they want to give back, and then you give, and then they give. And that's when we symbolize a trinity who is total self-giving love, three persons who are so self-giving that they're one literally in the other. And that's what a family is supposed to be. John Paul II said in Familiar's Consortio, families become what you are. Well, here's the situation. What is the family? The family is a living, breathing icon of the self-giving love of the Trinity, or should be. But we know this. Society goes by way of the family, and the family goes by way of the, fa of the father. If we want to change the world, we fathers, we've got to change. And I think the recipe to change is to become like St. Joseph, a father on earth, like the father in heaven, and live out his four pillars of embracing silence, having a great prayer life, understanding that you're truly a son of God, God the Father trusting God the Father with your entire life, embracing woman that is your wife, counting her as better than yourself, bearing her burdens, emotional, physical, psychological, hormonal, bearing them as, as they're your own, defeating lust in the heart and loving all women rightly because your kids will see how you goggle or don't goggle women, and then embracing the child because 
any man can be a biological father, but it takes a real man to be a spiritual father. And you become a spiritual father by becoming the icon of God the Father, which is to become the face of the Father that they cannot see, the voice of the Father they cannot hear, the touch of the Father they cannot feel. And that's been the goal of my life, is to live this out, to live out St. Joseph's spirituality, to live it out daily, and to give up the world and its promises. And you know what? When I do it, I'm not perfect. I'm not even good at it. But when I do it, I have the peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. That is awesome. And I will say, G.K. Chesterton has a line about it. The Christian ideal has not been found untried or has not been found tried and wanting. It's been found untried and, and, and searching, right? So people would, what you're laying out, this idea of heroic fatherhood that you just encapsulated so perfectly is that ideal that we are all called to. Um, we are up against the break. Can you stick around for another two minutes? Because I want to I want to pick your brain on the, on the last side of this for for more of your resources and ways people can get plugged into to what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're heading to a short break, and we'll be right back. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Bozen the Florist. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, weddings, whatever the message, say more with Bozen. Bozen.com, 515-244-ROSE. Bozen makes the moment mean more. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Catholic Charities of the Diocese of Des Moines, where empowering individuals and strengthening families have been the cornerstone of care for a century. Services for neighbors in need include a food pantry, professional counseling, emergency family shelter, and refugee resettlement. At Catholic Charities, lives are transformed and you can be part of the mission. To learn more about how to help Catholic Charities fulfill Christ's promise of help and hope, visit catholiccharitiesdm.org. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from Laser Home Services. Catholic-owned and operated, Laser Home Services has been providing Central Iowa with electric, plumbing, heating, and cooling services since 2001. Learn more at laserhomeservices.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from First Heartland Financial Group consultant Scott Prickett, an independent financial firm offering personalized financial advice with your insurance and investments for all stages of life. 515-202-6218 or online at firstheartlandfinancialgroup.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from A New Look Exteriors, an Anderson-certified contractor providing custom window installations, roofing, siding, gutters, concrete, and more to help give your home a new look. Learn more at anewlookexteriors.com. Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I am still joined by Devin Chad, and we are discussing heroic fatherhood. Uh, Devin, awesome job. laying out the fatherhood of St. Joseph. And I know I mentioned at the beginning, you have over 20, 20 books or so. You had a lot of things going on. Um, can you just share with our listeners uh, how they can get a hold of you, how they can follow your work, and maybe maybe one or two recommendations you would have uh, to help them get plugged into all the things you just talked about? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us at fathers, that's plural, fathersofstjoseph.org, stjoseph.org, stjoseph.org. And uh, there you'll find a lot of different resources. We're getting ready to release this year some other free resources. But I think where to begin, we've developed this little great book called The Path. It's called The Father of St. Joseph Rule of Life, but it's really for every, every man. And what it does is it outlines succinctly, and it's a free PDF online, but you can also purchase it. But we offer it for free because it's so important. But it talks about St. Joseph's way of life and the summoning of the saint. And it gives the purpose, the path, the four pillars, the seven principles, and the 33 practices 
to live out St. Joseph's spirituality. And then if you really want something that's going to give you like a 33-day boot camp to live out this spirituality and develop a plan of life by incorporating these spiritual practices in your life, these four pillars, we've got a book a program called Custos, Total Consecration Through St. Joseph, put out by TAN. And that, that we've heard, we've received so much great feedback on that. Um, but that really, over the course of 33 days, gives you seven stages to start developing a plan of life with these spiritual practices. But that's what I would do. We've also got this daily devotional called Lead, which is also, we just get so many great responses from that book too, but it's basically a, a three to maybe two to three minute read per day. And it takes you from A to Z on St. Joseph's spirituality with these pillars that I've just spoken of. So those are the three resources I think out of all of them that initially point to if you really want to start living this. Awesome. Well, Devin, I, I really appreciate your time uh, today. This was, I mean, as in, as listeners can tell, this is something you thought about, you prayed about, you're fired up about. Uh, and I appreciate that because this is what we need more than anything today is we're trying to reclaim fatherhood. You said the famine of fatherhood. Uh, and and if people can plug in to what you're doing and follow this rubric, I mean, it's a very it's, it sounds simple, but it's obviously it is heroic. Um, you're giving you're giving men this template of how to do it. So thanks for joining me, uh, Devin, and thank you for joining me today on Man Up on IO Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulus. It's time to man up. Man up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness. 